I am just uh, setting the table for the next eight weeks for a deep dive on Job, okay? So uh, let me give you my take on how I see Job. There's no uh, better example of, of how God takes good men and they go through trouble. And so this is what I'm talking about. Now let me illustrate it in a quick way. My unresolved file gets bigger and thicker every year I live. Um, uh, uh, and so there's some things that happen in our world. Yesterday, uh, uh, Kate Spade, I don't know who she is. Uh, somebody gave my wife a Kate Spade purse about a month ago. I said, like, this feels really nice. She said, it is nice. I didn't, who's Kate Spade? I don't know what Kate Spade is. But evidently, she uh, committed suicide, tragically. I hope she knew the Lord. I told my wife today, you better hold on to that Kate Spade bag. That may be worth something even more than what it is. I, I feel bad for that family. I, I don't understand. how She was at the top of her game. She, sold her, she built her business under Kate Spade and sold it for $125 million bucks. 55 years old. Got a 13-year-old. I don't know what's going on in her life. I'm sure stuff will come out. I can't even believe that. I can't believe some of the homes that are going, that are going down uh, with this lava over in the big island where Nicole and Ava are at right now. I don't understand that. Uh, what I don't understand in bigger and more personal ways are people that we've had come through our doors that have had major tragedy in their life. Why? This isn't a person. I don't know whether she's saved in Kate Spade. We're not talking about something impersonal like a lava flow out of a volcano. I'm talking about people that we know. John Vaughn. I was at his church the year after uh, that they had, a, they had a, a fire in, the, in their garage and his wife was burned tragically. Their daughter, little Becky, burned tragically. Over the years, got to know them very personally. Had them up at camp for years. I put Becky on my motorcycle and took her for a ride. Wonderful people. I don't understand why that happened. Still don't. I don't understand what happened back in November 1994 when I got a phone call from, from a, a family to Scott and Janet. Willis, they worked family campers for years. I'm going to family camp in two weeks and preaching family camp. They were at that camp. They had six, they have nine children, but six of them were under their care. For years they would come to camp. Got a phone call, was at Maranatha, Jeff Call and I. Man, they got a bad accident. They're in Milwaukee. We drove over. He was the one that had a, 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 a fire and ran over a piece of metal in the, in the um, a freeway and exploded in flames, tried to save his kids. All six kids were killed, tragically. That's unbelievable. Well, what if you were a person that lost all your kids in an instant? And on top of that, had a very unhappy wife, and you're bankrupt, and you have a code red critical issue physically. Because that's what you got in the life of Job. So we all sit here and go, I read the book of Job, and I've read it many times. But when I stop and think, what if I was the guy, I'm totally bankrupt, I'm on code red critical care, I'm looking at uh, 10 tombstones, and my wife is unhappy. That's what you got in Job. Now, what's the whole point of Job? 
Let's just read a few verses. And again, I've got uh, 19 minutes, so I'm not going to do justice to this. But I thought it was important to set up the stage for this because sometimes we read this and go, wow, that's Job. You know, 42 chapters. Job at 62 years old. He goes through seven months of what we would look at humanly as hell. I mean, I'm sure there's people who got greater problems, but boy, that, it's tough to name one. That bad, one guy, everything I just said. Seven months of this. But he works through this seven months from chapter 1 to about chapter 38, or well, actually all the way to chapter 42. Seven months of this. And then for, for another uh, 78 years, it's awesome. And Pastor Larry will be working through this. So I don't know what all he's going to say, so I don't want to take too deep dive on this one. But I, I think what I, I could do is give you, I think, the key that would unlock what I see to be the book of Job. And to me, this would be the key. Look at Job chapter 3, verse 25. So this is just my take, okay? My take is that Job, when he has already now heard and, and been through all that I just said in verse 25, chapter 3 says, The thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come upon me, and I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. To me, that what unlocks the book of Job is that Job, like any human, had fears. And all of those fears he had, God touched. To help remind Job, Job, you feared me from a distance. Fact is, even Satan himself answered the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 9, Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? I wrote in my Bible, somebody wisely noted um, that um, Job, Job was bothered by Satan because Job was a godly man. Would Satan bother you? Why should Satan bother you? Unless you're doing something for him. So I, I look at uh, the, the disasters of Job. Let me just... Again, do a flyby on this. I, I wish I had more time, but I don't, on the fears of Job. And they're not complicated. You, you, you see them in chapter 1 and 2. One of them is his wealth, uh, verses 12 through 17. He lost it all. He lost, number two, his children, the sons and his daughters. There were ten of them. Seven sons and three daughters. They were eating and drinking in their eldest brother's house. And a great wind came. And the house fell on them. They're all killed in an instant. And Job said, the thing that I feared the most has come on me. Evidently, he was very fearful about his wealth and all that he had. And he was a very wealthy man. And, and he certainly cared about his children. He was doing sacrifices for his children. And thirdly, is his own health. Evidently, um, he must have been a homeopathic guy because uh, he was very concerned about it all. Now, those are human cares. 
But somehow, the impression when I look at the word greatly feared is different than the word fearing God, chapter 1, 9, verses chapter 3, 25. Beyond the reverential awe of God that Job had, that he's from a distance, God used this to get Job to realize God is a personal God. And he was panicky about it. These are the fears of Job. And the key, I think, that helps us understand that we all live with fears. Uh, and fear has torment. And God knows that the thing that we fear the most is the very thing God wants to use uh, to get our focus on who he is. And so uh, I, I put secondly, and these, this comes some of this from John Phillips' outline on the disasters of Job, but I did think that might be easiest for us on the big scope here is to look at the five different individuals who reveal wrong thinking about disaster, pain, and difficulties. These are the five main characters, if you would, in this particular uh, uh, storyline. And so uh, uh, starting in chapter uh, one uh, is Satan himself. And Satan lobbies against uh, uh, Job. He is a, uh, um, uh, the accuser of the brethren. He is a liar. He's the father of lies. And he makes accusations against Job before God. You see it in chapter one. Uh, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. This is an angelic force before the Lord. And Satan came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, where did you come from? Then Satan answered, and the Lord said, from going to and fro on the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and excuse evil? And Satan answered, the Lord has jo uh, and said, Job, fear God for nothing. Have you not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, his substance increased in the land, and you put forth your hand now, you touched all that he has, and he'll curse you in your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has in your power, only himself put not forth your hand. Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And what that tells us is that, that, that Satan himself used, first of all, God used Satan for his purposes, but uh, um, this is what Satan's wrong view and wrong thinking was about disasters and pain and difficulties. And that is that Satan made the mistake in thinking that Job served God simply for material gain. That was his wrong thinking. Then you get to number two, you find Job's wife, chapter 2, uh, verse 9 and 10. Then said his wife unto him, uh, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. And he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And in all this did not Job sin with his lips. And here's Job's wife, who also made a mistake in thinking, but her thinking was wrong in that she thought that the loss of wealth meant the loss of everything. Wrong thinking. Now, uh, I remember when I was younger, I first read this and thought, well, come on, you know, Job's wife, get right with God. I mean, come on, suck it up. I'm a little older now, and I look and I think, that poor woman, can you imagine 
Man, my heart aches for that lady. I mean, she also is looking at 10 little tombstones and bankruptcy and her husband in great pain and the shame and humility that's going on. Her husband was like the man. He was like 1-1, one, one, a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. The man was perfect, upright, one that feared God, eschewed evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. This is the woman that gave them to him. Most conservative commentaries suggest that this slice is in between Genesis 11 and Genesis 12. So her thinking, however, would be one in which was wrong thinking because she honestly at least communicated the loss of wealth meant the loss of everything. And then let me lump together Job's friends. There were three of them, and I wish I had time to unfold each one of those, but the reality is that you pick it up in chapter 4 with Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, but I think Eliphaz makes a statement that all three of them um, uh, were coming from the same wrong, listen to me, came from the same wrong thinking. This was their wrong thinking. You see it in chapter 4, verse 7, when he said to Job, sitting on the trash heap in the condition that he is, with all the problems that he had, all of the issues I mentioned, including 13 specific physical symptoms of severe itching and lost appetite and insomnia and, and worm and dirt infested flesh and continual oozing of boils and hallucinations and decaying skin and severe hallucinations and, and halitosis and teeth fell out and skin turned black and raging fever and dramatic weight loss. This is all Mayo Clinic candidate right there. And, and Job's friends now go, oh, and by the way, Job, besides all your problems, you're a sinner. That's why you got these problems. And he said it this way, chapter 4, verse 7. Remember, I pray thee, he's talking to Job, whoever perished being innocent, where were the righteous cut off? I mean, this is a question, like, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent? It un Listen to me, it unfolds the theology of the Jews. You do right, and I will bless you. So if you're not being blessed, it's because you're doing wrong. This is the modern-day prosperity gospel. You do right, and I'm going to bless you. And the wrong thinking by Job's friends and the mistake was in thinking that they could judge another man's events and his motives. That's a problem. Because they could not. They got it all wrong. And I believe that God used this event in Job's life to unfold all of Job's own fears. But on top of that, on a bigger scope, that this unfolded, God said, let me take you, Job, and I'm going to turn on its ear, the Jewish thinking, that uh, you do right and you'll be blessed, period. And no exceptions. No exceptions. So, number four, 
It's not just Satan and Job's friend and uh, wife, and it's Job's friends, but also Elihu. Elihu comes around in chapter 32. He's a younger man, and to summarize it for you, it's a mistake in thinking that he alone had all the answers to Job's problems. Because he began explaining to Job, an older man, Job, this is what obviously you're missing. Mistake. And then finally, the other uh, uh, debate, and it's really not a debate of Job, I probably misstated this, but it's Job himself. Job did have some wrong thinking. He's a godly man, but his mistake, and you find it in chapter 42, after God himself, in verse 38, speaks to Job, and the Lord answered Job, chapter 38, verse 1, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, and he said, and he, listen, he lists 88 questions. He's the ultimate teacher. His visual aids are unbelievable. And he asks questions, 88 of them. It's about his creation and his creatures. It's about his moral nature and also the material world. And at the end of it, uh, Job's response is, chapter 42, Job answered the Lord, and he said, I know that you can, uh, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. And look at verse 5. Here's what he said. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, and now my eye sees you. You can circle that verse right there. This is where everything changes. Because Job really is making a mistake in accusing God of not knowing what was going on. That was Job's problem. He wasn't thinking straight. And I don't blame him because I'm reading chapter 1. Because in chapter 1, there is a whole other dialogue going on in the balcony that he can't hear and see. Job had no idea of that conversation of Satan going to God himself and saying, I was just cruising around the world and noticed Job and no idea. You know, it tells me, for all of us, we're very careful about our little views of our little world because we have no idea what other discussions are going on in heaven about you and about me and about our world. It was a mistake. So in the last three minutes, Notice the deliverance of Job. It's not complicated, but you do find a reconciliation. And because once Job said, I heard with the hearing of my ear, and now mine eye sees thee. And the key to reconciliation is that hearing affects my mind. Seeing affected his life. You can hear something, but you might not see it. I know. Because for 21 years, I sat in church from one week old all the way to I was 21. I heard it. I heard, I heard the Bible, but I didn't see it. And I'm going to tell you, so when I saw it at 21, man, everything changed. And it wasn't just the reconciliation, but the restoration you find in verse 10. The Lord turned the captivity of Job. Job's own prison that he built himself. Because he reacted to his friends. 
He did. But I'll tell you when that came. When he prayed for his friends. And when God gave him that restitution and uh, gave him that uh, restoration was because he released uh, his friends. They were his friends, but they totally got it wrong. And when that happened, it says the Lord, verse 10, gave Job twice as much as he had before. We don't have time to work through all that, but verses 12 through 15 talk about the reward of Job, and it is amazing because you're talking about all the wealth that he was doubled. He went from 7,000 sheep to 14,000, 3,000 camels to 6,500 oxen to 1,000. Pretty amazing. Uh, 500 to 1,000 donkeys. And this would have been like his uh, little uh, vehicles because that's what they were. They were like his trucks and his semis. Man, he had it like all. And, of course, you've heard messages, as I have, because I think it's true, because God gave his wife, obviously, a restoration of her heart and life and body, where God gave him seven more sons and three more daughters. And, and of course, that was double, because he didn't lose his children. He knew exactly where they were. They're all in heaven. Ten there, and he had ten more. Awesome. And to know that there was the joy that came is when he ended up including in that uh, the names of his own children, the three of the girls, uh, Keziah, which is, means sweet-smelling, and uh, Jemima, which I don't recommend that name these days, but I guess that would not be a bad name, which also meant um, uh, sweetness, and then uh, Karen Hapchi, which means beautiful. And it's interesting to note that no Jewish law uh, uh, was there to forbid, but no man normally gave his children inheritance, uh, his daughters inheritance. But verse 15, all the land where women found, so far as the daughters of Job and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. And so the reality is when you read Job, everybody was wrong. Why were they wrong? They were wrong because Nobody had all the facts. And so it's a great comfort to know that God said, uh, I know exactly what's going on in your life. And if we can take a life of Job and do a deep dive on Job and think, man, all of a sudden, I, maybe I don't have it that bad. Maybe it's not all that bad. And that God, I don't want any wrong thinking about you and your character. And that there are exceptions. And God said, I will bless you. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to end up making a change. Two last thoughts, and I'm done. One, nowhere did God tell Job why. Don't ask the wrong question. It is not why. It is what. What are you trying to teach me? Second point, success is not is the direct result of surrender. It's not suffering. You know he wants you to get in place? As it was with Job, I surrender. And when you do that, God said, I'll bless you. You know, Janet and, and Scott Willis is a case in point because God's taken them and used them in unbelievable ways. And God has used the monies that they were given uh, for ministry. Uh, they eventually gave, uh, their goal was by the time they're this age to give it all away to ministry. And... Um, and they're a great testimony, as he himself, who made the statement, it is my faith and my perspective on life 
with the mercies of God that sustains me. It is not the hours, the days, the years, but it is eternity. That's what makes a difference. Let's pray. God, thank you for the time, and thank you for these that are here. We just tried to lay a groundwork over the life of Job. What a powerful story, and I ask that you would help each one of us, um, that we all have our challenges and difficulties, and sometimes we, we like Job, want to just die. Even as Job sometimes responded in anger, sometimes it was out of agony, sometimes it was just a deep loneliness. And yet you met his need and um, blessed him uh, beyond he would ever imagine. Help us to believe as well. It might not come in the reward today. It might be in heaven. But help us to know that when good men go through difficult trouble, it's not out of punishment, but it's out of purifying. In Jesus' name, amen.